then, welcome back to the, uh, the second episode of the Team Oxygenetic Podcast. Uh, this is the episode we're going to try and go through a lot of the questions that you've sent through to us regarding your training plans. Try and get some of these answers down for you um, in an easy to digest format. So first up, listen, thanks very much for sending those questions through. We really appreciate all the help you've given us and it underlines we've attracted exactly the kind of people to the beta test group that we really wanted. There's been loads of questions we expected, loads of questions we didn't expect. And uh, amazingly, there's been loads of suggestions about other things we could do to fix this and that. And have you thought about this? So that's absolutely brilliant. And um, we really appreciate it. Pat in particular got some great ideas coming through. So thanks a lot. So the way we're going to structure this, we're going to go through. Um, we're not going to answer people's questions individually. But if you like, we, we pulled all of those questions together and drew out the common threads. And so hopefully you're going to find that the question that you've asked is answered in and amongst one of these areas here. And we're then going to draw this podcast together into a written FAQ section as well that I think is going to help you guys get some answers to the, the questions you keep asking. And also it's going to help members of the team when they come and join later on. So, um, so the basic overview for the podcast, we're going to go through these basic areas today. Uh, a big topic was switching sessions around in the training week. Second topic was changing your A race and what happens if you change races. Um, strength and conditioning was a topic that was covered by people. Zones, uh, heart rate zones, power zones, pace zones, things like that. And a general topic on nutri uh, nutrition, hydration and diet while training. So we'll kick it off with, with switching sessions around in your training week. Now, most people's questions were around something to do with this. It was, I've got this training plan and this all looks great, but this doesn't work for me in particular because of this or this or this. And is it all right if I jiggle things around? So we're going to say that there are some conditions in which you can move some of the sessions around, but there are some conditions in which we don't want you to move things around and we don't want you to end up with some things back to back. Now, in particular, the first big question was, the plan is currently set up to have the big endurance day on the Sunday. Is it okay if I go and do my big endurance ride on a Saturday? Now, in general, what we're going to be saying is we've set the, the um, structure of this week out in a certain way because it provides the best balance of training, stress and recovery throughout the week. So in an ideal world, you're going to do the plan as written with your big endurance day on the Sunday, your long run on the Thursday before that and the interval turbo session on the Tuesday before that. That being said, those days don't have to be set in stone. What we'd like to try and maintain, if possible, is the gap between those events. So we'd like a clear day between the turbo and the long run, and ideally two clear days between the long run and the um, endurance day. Something we're considering looking at doing for the next block of training plans that you guys will get released for the next four week block is having you been able to tell us whether you prefer to have your endurance day on a Saturday or a Sunday for that block. Um, we looked at it again and it, it, we think it makes a lot of sense to give you the option to have it on a Saturday or a Sunday and from then on it'll get applied and you'll have that in the day that you like and it will also have a quite nice knock on that Sunday then becomes a recovery day and for people with families I think that'd be quite nice. So from the next block on that's going to be an option. Um, so at the moment, in this first introductory block, we're going to say, yeah, it's OK if you want to swap around that ride and that run for this initial block. That's OK. The current long ride isn't particularly long. 
the current run of that's on the Saturday isn't that long either and that's all right but we want to try and avoid the idea of having a long ride on one day and then the long run the next day because the key point about training Fireman is you're going to get fit by training consistently and the worst thing you can do for your consistency is actually to get yourself injured and you know the most effective way to injure yourself is running with tired legs or running along with tired legs in particular or running hard with tired legs okay so for this this block great swap it around and do your long ride on the Saturday with your club mates and then get your, your other workouts the next day after that now that was also a common question was you know my club mates like to go out on a Saturday and I'd really like to go out on a Saturday because of that it's worth bearing in mind that while that's great for now and it's great for this time of year as you get closer to your goal event your long endurance day is going to get quite specific and it might be that your club run doesn't really address your needs in that way if it's the kind of casual club run where you stop for coffee and you stop waiting for people it might not be the best preparation for an Ironman because our key endurance day is as much as possible going forward going to be looking to build towards in the later blocks a consistent long ride where the waiting and the stops are kept to an absolute minimum and I'd encourage you to find somebody to ride with or a couple of pals who are the same kind of strength as you to ride with but know the score before you go out you're not going out to sit down for half an hour in a coffee shop part way through you'll be going out to get your, your ride duration done try and hold your ride duration at the right intensity and make it as specific as you can to Ironman preparation that being said, we'll come back to all that stuff later on in the program. Next question that came up was um, was around the pool. It was basically, my pool isn't open on this day, and you've told me the key swims on a Wednesday, and I can't do it then, but I could do it here, and I could do it here. I consider swimming to be slightly separate to the biking and running, because it doesn't have any stress on your legs, although it does add training stress into your overall week. We're happy for you to move those swims around, you can back up that swim on the same day as the turbo intervals. You can back up the swim on, on any other day, really. Probably best to keep it away from the long run and the key endurance day, if at all possible. But yeah, you can move that around. Uh, next question was, does the alternative turbo sessions been put on on the long endurance day? Now, that is because we know what the winter time can be like. You can, you can have the greatest of intentions to get up and go for a ride, but the weather's bad. That turbo session is there as an alternative to the ideal situation, which is you go out for the prescribed amount of time. Now, if you're feeling particularly hardcore, yes, you can ride your turbo for two and a half, three hours. Yes, it will be a better and more specific workout. The reason those alternate turbo sessions there are, it's been my experience that if you only have to swap out these rides a few times during the winter, it's all right to do a 90 minute ride instead of the three hours you had planned outside. 90 minutes is probably worth 2 hours 15, maybe 2 hours 30 outside anyway, because you're continually pedalling. Um, but in the ideal world, as long as the weather's okay, get that session done. You shouldn't be defaulting to do the turbo session that's on that day just because you can't really be bothered to get the long ride done, for example. Okay? Um, Ironman is difficult and you need to get the hours in as they're logged as much as you possibly can. Next question was, if I miss a session, can it be or should it be swapped around or made up later in the week? Um, and the answer is, is there is, is maybe. If it's one of the key sessions, we need to look at them in order of the hierarchy. We need to get in our key endurance day, 
we need to get in our um, key long run, our key turbo session and our key swim. And those four things should be swapped around so you've got them all in. And where possible, maintain the gaps between them. Everything else is movable around and obviously everyone is individual. So you'll learn about your body along the way, about what you can and what you can't stack up on top of each other. But in general, yes, if a session's missed and it's possible to fit it in somewhere in the week and maintain those recovery schedules, then great. If not, and it's you know just a one-off, you're probably better just drawing a line through the session and moving on, completing the next session as written. Okay. Um, doing the hard bike and the hard run on the same day isn't a great idea. Doing a swim and a turbo session on the same day is fine. Okay. Um, and I think we've covered ideas around keeping the long run and keeping the long ride separate. Now another question was, if you've been doing a lot more volume than your plan says at the moment, and specifically this applies to a couple of people who are swimming a lot more than the session says, people have asked, should we drop down and treat it as like a recovery period? Well, my answer is you can do. The, the map swimming that's in the plan is perfectly adequate to get you to where you want to be, with the caveat that if you are a very, very good swimmer and you want to do very, very well in the water, or if you're determined to improve your swimming, then doing more swimming than the plan will definitely improve your swimming more. Okay, so the majority of people are going to be fine with three swims a week. If, like one of the guys is stranded in the Arctic Circle at the moment and swimming's keeping him sane, absolutely great to keep cranking out those swim miles if it isn't reasonable for you to get other sessions in, in here and around. Okay, so that's absolutely fine. Uh, for the midweek rides, does it matter if it's a turbo or outdoors? It doesn't matter at all. Personally, I think that you're going to get a better workout on the turbo, especially at this time of year and especially for the hard intervals, because you're not going to have to consider traffic, corners. You can just put your head down and push hard. As we move on a couple of months time, the sun's going to be up in the evenings. You want to take those sessions outdoors. That's absolutely great then. The sessions at this time of year are, are actually designed to be done on a turbo. There's no reason you can't do them outdoors. Just be careful about riding hard intervals around traffic and corners and things like that. Okay. Now, another question is, if you're potentially going away on holiday and you're going to miss an extended period of training, for example, some people are going away skiing for a week, what training should I try and do or should I try and do anything? The answer is really, it depends on how much skiing you're getting done during that week. For most people, I would say, a skiing holiday is plenty of activity enough. Now, it might be you've got a gym there and it's got a gym bike or a treadmill or a pool. And if you fancy going in and doing 30 minutes daily to keep yourself moving, that's great. But if you get to the end of the day of skiing and your legs are absolutely trashed, then I'm thinking, no, you shouldn't be considering going into the gym. Just treat it as a week off training. Your legs will get plenty strong. You'll be up at altitude and that'll do your heart and lungs loads of good. So I think you can treat yourself to uh, to a couple of days off there. That should be fine. Now, we've had some questions around what might happen if you change a race. Now, obviously, it is going to change your plan quite significantly. And if it ends up that you're going to move from, you know, Ironman UK to Ironman Mallorca, let us know as quickly as you can. And we'll swap your plan around and you'll end up leaving the current block of the plan that you're on and going on to a different part of a block of a plan further out from, from the goal race week. Okay, what races should I be looking to factor in as preparation? Well, in an ideal world, you're going to be doing a 70.3 race in the build up. And we ideally like that to be five weeks out from your race week. 
If you can find one that's five weeks out, brilliant. If it's six weeks or four weeks, that's okay too. We'll modify your plan for you there and we'll give you guidance around what to do. If you're doing any other triathlons in the build-up to your Ironman, then that's fine, but you need to bear this in mind. The majority of your fitness is going to be built on your key endurance day. And if you're missing a four, five, six hour day to go and race an Olympic distance race, that's probably not going to be the best preparation if it happens more than once. Now, we recognize that most people want to race a couple of times in the build up to an Ironman. That's totally fine. Um, but but in general, we're looking for that 70.35 weeks out um, and probably better events to look at entering might be long sportive type events or longer time trials. They'd be much more specific to your actual building fitness for race day. OK, um, your training plan will change if you've got races factored in. And what we're planning on doing is having a kind of a substitute block that will drop in over that weekend. So this is for everything apart from the the ideal 70.35 weeks out. If you've got another race, I plan to have a kind of mini taper and mini recovery that'll take about eight days, including the event. So you'll kind of roll off the normal plan. You'll roll into the tape of your event, you'll do your event, you'll have a few days of active recovery and then you'll roll back into the plan on the Wednesday or the Thursday of the next week. Um, and fingers crossed, you'll be good to go for your long run on Thursday after that race. If you're not, we'll talk about strategies later on to adapt for that. Um, what races aren't good preparation for your Ironman is probably to think you want to enter another Ironman. <laughs> so... We do know some people like to do more than one Ironman in a season. It certainly isn't necessary that you enter another one in the run-up to it. You're going to get a couple of big weekends of training in as part of your plan, and that will all be released with details in the document coming out next week. Uh, so we don't advise you that you need to enter another Ironman. If you've got another one after your key event, again, we can talk about you've already built all your fitness up for this. That's great. Now, lots of people have said I've entered a marathon in the run-up. Now, by no means we don't think entering a marathon is necessary as part of an Ironman preparation. And I don't specifically recommend doing one either. It's been my experience that guys who enter the London Marathon or the Manchester Marathon with the aim of like running really hard in April and getting really run fit in April, what tends to happen is they're totally burnt out through May at the exact time we need people putting a lot of bike miles in. It's okay if you've entered one of these marathons and you want to do it, but my advice is going to be to treat it as a catered long run. And we'll talk about some ways that we can alter your training plan slightly to build in some extra run volume for you so you can handle that long marathon run. But treat it as a long training day rather than thinking, right, I'm going to go and smash this marathon. It's up to you. I mean... Part of it is if you're really fit, you're, you're going to want to race and it's going to take a lot of ego strength on race day. If you're in, you know, three hour marathon shape to run at your Ironman goal marathon pace of probably 325, that's going to be hard. So we'll talk about that nearer the time. OK, but yeah, we can alter the plan if you've got one in there. Just think very carefully before racing it hard. OK, so moving on. Next section, strength and conditioning. We've got... Quite a lot of people who are 
they're really big advocates of doing strength and conditioning in the team already and are asking why have I not got any strength and conditioning in my training plan and that's a perfectly fine and valid point. We're going to cover strength and conditioning later on in a, another podcast and, and in another specific article we're going to write about it. Um, it's going to address some of the typical weaknesses that triathletes and cyclists have and some simple core strength sessions that you can do to address that. So my take on this is I'm a big fan of doing short, frequent core strength exercises. And by core, I mean things that are going to help your glutes, your abs, your back, your neck. And, you know, we're talking the traditional Pilates yoga type moves and crunches and things like this. The reason it's not included in the plan is I found it's very difficult, if not impossible, to know whether people are actually doing themselves more harm than good when I'm not standing over there watching like a personal training session. So my advice is, if you're the kind of person who knows they respond really well to this, see an exercise professional, get them to put you a plan together that works around what you're already doing and let them know, you know, you're doing 8 to 14, 15 hours a week of training already. We're going to be talking probably two sessions a week and mostly we're going to be staying away from the weights. We just want to be working on our functional strength. Now, it is probably more important for a couple of key groups here. If you are female, if you are older, if you're from a running background, you'll definitely benefit from doing a little bit more strength training. Um, and again, we'll deal with these topics later on. Now, if you already do it and you're in a plan that works for you, then great. Keep on with it. An ideal time to do strength training is the last thing in the day. You don't want to be doing any kind of endurance exercise after you've done a strength and conditioning session. In fact, I did a very interesting course with Emma Deakin, who's the head physio at British Triathlon, where she was at the time. And she actually said, look, if you do an endurance session after a strength session, you may as well not have bothered doing the strength session in the first place. So that's something to bear in mind. If you're going to do it, do it at the end of the day. And bear in mind that you're already getting a lot of strength work for your legs simply by pushing your gear on a bike. So you certainly don't need to be concentrating on that kind of, you know, traditional going to the gym and doing squats and pushing weights. It's going to be much more useful for you to do functional exercises. OK, but if in doubt, see a registered physiotherapist or see a very good personal trainer who knows your body and knows the kind of endurance exercises you're trying to do. If you're in the northwest of England, I know a couple of good, really good personal trainers who specialise in helping triathletes, so give us a shout and we can put you in contact with them. Okay, Okay. next section, zones, measuring them and using them. So we've had a couple of questions where people have said, you know, why are zones important? I train by feel at the moment. I've never had a heart rate monitor. I don't want to get a power meter. I'm, I'm getting confused by how it's all going to work. It all looks so technical. So the first thing to say here is, we believe we have a better way of training within Team Oxygen Addict. It's better than just working off feel. It's more accurate because you're going to get immediate feedback from your body and from equipment that tells you exactly what kind of output your body is producing. If you haven't got a power meter and you only have a heart rate monitor, that's totally fine. If you've got pace for the run, that's totally fine as well. But by using what we know of applied sports science, we can apply pretty accurate training stress to your body as long as we're measuring that training stress and then we've got a good idea of how long it takes people to recover from these sessions now clearly with these sessions that you guys are doing i can't go into every single person's training peaks account and check 
that each of the sessions was completed to exactly the right heart rate zone as I do with my one-to-one -one coached athletes. So we rely on you guys learning how to use your equipment and doing the sessions as written. Um, so the simple answer is yes, heart rate zones, power zones, pace zones are going to be extremely beneficial because they're going to take away the doubt and that nagging voice in your head that's telling you you're not sure that you're really doing the right thing. Well, I'm here to tell you you are doing exactly the right thing because the training plan you follow has worked for you know close to 100 people over Ironman distance races. So you know it's 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 tried and proven as long as we do the right intervals at the right intensity at the right time. Okay. Um, once you've done tests, we'll we'll do an update document about this because it's a very large subject area. We've got a whole section planned, one podcast on heart rate, power, pace zones testing and the importance of all of that we'll separate that out into a future podcast and a future guide um, but the most important thing is you get your benchmarks set once you've got those set we'll tell you how to get it all set up within training peaks and then even if what you've got is just a post-it note with your heart rate numbers written on and you know what you're either aiming for or what you can't go above in a given section of a given session that's going to give you some reassurance that what you're doing is right okay Training on feel is absolutely fine. It's more beneficial for the athletes who've been doing it for a long, long time. Okay, And I'm much more comfortable with people who, who monitor pace, heart rate, power all the time anyway. Personally speaking, I've got about a 35-year endurance history, and I still train with heart rate monitor, power, and pace for every session that I do. It's not that I use it to chase numbers. It's just a light log in that data and making sure that I'm actually doing what I thought I did afterwards. Question was around if I've had my zones already tested in another laboratory, can I just put those numbers in? Well, what I'm going to say is I'd like you to do the test as set and put the number you get from our test into the training peaks. And then I'm sure that the numbers you're working off are from the same kind of test because in a physiology lab, there is something like 23 different definitions of lactate threshold. So think about that for a minute. It means different things at different points on the curve, depending on who you're talking to. So when I'm talking about functional threshold or I'm talking about zone four, I want it to be a number taken from a test I've given you. Then I know that we're both on the same page. And yes, it can vary wildly. It can be as much as 20 beats a minute, plus or minus the number that I've seen got from the test. And um, clearly the lab isn't testing the same lactate point that I am. Um, again, very detailed and in-depth things can come out of this. Let's just say I'd like you to do the test that I've set. Okay? You don't even have to enter these results into training peaks. It's just that that will automatically calculate the zones for you. So you don't have to put it in, but it'll certainly make your life easier in the long run. Okay, and just tying this up, a section on nutri uh, nutrition, hydration and diet while training. So there's lots of questions here regarding what should I eat, what should I drink, is it okay to drink alcohol? And here's my here's my sort of basic common sense advice. I am not a trained medical professional, nor am I a trained nutritionist or dietitian. Okay? If you've got any particular problems, you need to see that trained professional. But here are some general guidelines. The more real food you eat, the better. The less processed food you eat, the better. The more water you can drink rather than sports drinks, the better. And if you're exercising, just as a rule of thumb, go for one bottle per hour of time that you're out there. And if, uh, sorry, one bottle per hour that you're out there. 
If over time it turns out that you're extremely thirsty after a workout, then it might be that you're a heavy sweater and you need more than that. If it turns out that you need to go to the toilet all the time afterwards, it might be that you don't need quite as much as that. That's a good rule of thumb to start with and adjust up or down to need. But drinking to thirst is not a bad piece of advice at this point. Okay. In terms of what to eat and drink and gels and things when you're out there on the run, well, I think, again, it's a common sense approach. If you're going to be taking sports bars and gels on race day, then the sports bars and gels they have on the course are going to be a good thing to try out during your training. I don't think it's necessary that you have specific sports gels and bars all the time in training, although I do think it's a good idea close to the event that you try them out. So real food like bananas are great when you're out training. Flapjack is great when you're out training, especially at this time of year. And then as we get closer to race day, we can look at being more specific with the exact number of calories in a bottle and start to work things like that out. But at the moment, you just need to make sure that you're not getting overly hungry when you're out on that long ride, that you have something to eat half an hour, an hour before you do a workout, and that you've got enough energy to get yourself through that workout. Okay. Um, that I mean, that pretty much covers everything in terms of alcohol. I'm certainly not going to get into the realms of giving people advice about alcohol. Personally, I don't drink at all. If you guys drink, I think you'll find your body recovers better the more you limit your alcohol intake. And if you give it up entirely for the period of your Ironman training, you certainly won't be doing yourself any harm. Um, otherwise, if you have a glass of red on a Friday night and you enjoy it after a long, hard week, I'll tell you what, I'm certainly not going to tell you that you can't do that. But you don't want to be waking up with a hangover in the morning and you need to go out training. Okay, so listen, I think that pretty much covers everything that we've we've had questions through so far. Thanks very much for sending them in. If you've got any more questions, fire them over to help at auctionaddict.com. Like I said, this is the first in the series of podcasts that's going to come out, and we'll go into a lot more detail about these topics later on. Until then, I hope you're enjoying the first few days of your training plan, and we shall speak to you soon on the Facebook group. Thanks very much for listening.